This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. Good afternoon. Yesterday I was thinking about how much of something is enough. Some things like money or nice things often seem like we can't get enough. I'm tempted to think that is something I would not mind trying to find out for myself. Could I ever really amass enough money or nice things? Then another category that comes to mind would be things we can eat and drink. Thanksgiving Day is my first thought, and a level of overindulgence that makes many people just want to sleep is something I have personally experienced. At some point, eventually, we can get enough of sweet things like cake or ice cream or candy. We can definitely go over the line in just one setting, getting more than enough and making ourselves uncomfortable. There are some things that for most people, it only takes a small amount to be too much. It doesn't take too much sour milk, certain perfumes, special hot sauces, or how about the smell of a skunk? It doesn't take too much of a skunk for most people to say enough. Our scripture this afternoon starts off with the apostles asking Jesus to give them more faith. It doesn't seem like an unfair or selfish request. It might be helpful to give you a little background on the moment. Chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17 have several parables. There is the one about the manager that is told that he is going to be fired. He goes out making deals so he will have a place to go when it happens. Then Jesus explains that not one part of the law is missing. Then he hits on adultery. The story of Lazarus and the rich man comes next, and the, and the challenge that some people will not even believe that hell exists, and they still have time to change their ways, even if a man raised from the dead told them so. Then Jesus gets more personal. He talks of sin that is bound to come, and that wearing a millstone necklace, ancient equivalent of concrete encased shoes, and that drowning is a better alternative than facing God to answer to your sins. The scripture goes on to say, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins again against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Tell me, if you were sitting around the living room and Jesus were to go through this kind of list, would you feel any pressure? Would you feel inadequate? Would you feel like you could use some extra help? It's at this point that a a conscientious uh, decision is made, and we would ask Jesus to increase our faith. I'm pretty sure that I have asked more than once for an increase in my faith or some kind of restoration or special strength and knowledge and success. I would imagine that most of you have as well. As I think about it, that kind of request has probably come up in our prayers most often when we are facing some kind of trouble or pain. When we have doubts that come to life in our minds, we, we often ask God for more of something. Let me read you a quote. Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me, the child of your love, and now become as the most hated one, the one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved? I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no one on whom I can cling, no one, no one, alone. Where is my faith? Even deep down, right, uh, right in there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain? I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and, and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. 
So many unanswered questions live within me, afraid to uncover them because of the blasphemy. If there be a God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. I'm told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Now that person sounds tortured. They are experiencing doubts and a deep spiritual pain. They feel unloved by God and even doubt that there is a God. Have you ever felt this way? Can you relate to the pain and loneliness the writer speaks of? Do you hear your own thoughts and emotions echoing in this poor person's words? We've all had a bad day or week or month or even a bad year, right? A time when life gives us more lemons than we can even make lemonade with. That quote came from a person that is a well-known Christian. They reported these feelings almost continuously for a period of over 50 years. Anyone want to take a guess as to who this person is? Need a hint? Her first name is Agnes. Nobody? Her whole name, Agnes Gonja Boyaju, also known as Mother Teresa. Now, personally, I was shocked when I read about her lengthy, dark night of faith that only had occasional days of sunshine. Mother Teresa, the lady that served the dying in India for over 50 years, had doubts and questions about her faith. How in the world did she face so much poverty and death? How did she keep going? Jesus' response to the apostles' request for an increase in their faith comes across a little strange. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, let me say that I have no idea what good sending a mulberry bush to be planted in the sea would do, and I'm sure that the detail is not the point. The important point is that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it is enough. It is enough for the apostles, and is it enough for us to do amazing and powerful things? It seems that the apostles are saying that they can't possibly follow the instructions of Jesus Christ without more faith. We don't do that, do we? We don't question God's call and direction. Jesus is saying that it is not that the faith is lacking, but the desire to act on it, to be obedient, that seems to fall, uh, fall short and needs to be increased. In this sentence, the word faith is being used as a noun, a, a person, a place, or a thing. Well, faith is not a person or a place, so it must be a thing. So how do we possess it? How is it increased? Can it be hoarded? Can we increase our stockpile of faith to use later? How do we measure faith anyway? Faith is intangible. You can't really touch it. And like being happy or in love, how much is too much? So how would we measure more or even know how much we need? How would we tell God, wait, 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 that, that's enough, I'm full. You need to remember something basic here. None of us has our own faith. The faith we have comes from God and is supplied by God's grace in the first place. Our free will and the ability to choose only happens because of God's actions. The faith we accept or reject came as an unearned gift. It is given by God and it is always given on an as-needed basis. Faith is given according to the need at the moment. It might be compared to the manna of the wilderness, sufficient only for the day. The apostles did not understand this any better than we do. 
In fact, it often seems like we at least have the advantage of a broader perspective, a bigger picture, if you will. Basically, I believe that following Jesus, being Christ-like Christian, is challenging whether you have a strong faith or not. We can often find ourselves questioning how much faith we actually need. That's not the question we should be asking. Rather, a much simpler question should be attended to. What are we doing with the faith we already have? What are we doing with the faith we say we already have? It is not a matter of how much faith we have, but if and how we will use it. Basically, faith comes down to one thing. Do we trust God? If we trust God, then we will, be, we will accept our place and role. We will fully accept the relationship, understanding that success is not our responsibility, but how we respond is. So what keeps us from using our faith? Do we feel unqualified, like we can't meet the expectations that Jesus described? The apostles were already given the power to preach and cast out demons and to heal people. What is it that they need more faith to be able to do? To forgive people that hurt them personally, to avoid leading other people into sin? Even with faith, those are tough and, uh, uh, tough and require faith and a desire to be Christ-like and unrelinquishing unrelinqu- dedication. The author Madeline L. Engel says this, Slowly, I have realized that I do not have to be qualified to do what I am asked to do, that I just have to go ahead and do it, even though I can't do it as well as I think I ought to be, uh, as it ought to be done. This is one of the most liberating lessons of my life. And that is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. You don't have to be qualified to do what I ask you to do. You just need to do it. Faith is the trust given by God to act on his behalf. But then Jesus added, adds a little more information in the form of a parable. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Simply stated, God is God, and we are not and never will be. I don't mean that in a negative way. We don't have a real understanding of the slave-master relationship in our culture. We don't like the idea of being slaves at all. So let me explain with a, a more modern analogy. As Americans, we all pay taxes on our incomes. We really don't have a choice in the matter. So when we fill in our tax return and mail it off by April 15th, do we expect a thank you note from the government? Do we expect a call from the president? No. And that is because of who we are as citizens. We have obligations and are just to do the right thing. We may not like paying our taxes, but we all do because it is what is expected in our country, and uh, obviously there are consequences if we don't. Faith does not change your place in the relationship with God. Faith should not make you feel privileged or higher than anyone else. Faith is closely related to humility in that we understand that we are all servants of God. And all the work we do is our response to his instruction. The power of faith is to be used to change the world. The apostles and millions of other Christians have been doing that for thousands of years. According to Jesus, it is not the amount of faith we think we have It is what we are willing to do because of it. 
How much do we trust God to help us to keep moving forward in our relationship? If you feel like you live in the darkness that Mother Teresa described, look at the power that came from the spark of faith that she had. The momentum that came from the smallest trust in God carried her uh, through a life of time, excuse me, through a lifetime of service. I hope you will notice something. In Luke, Jesus does not, as far as we know, grant their request for more faith. The faith they had been given was enough. The faith you have been given is enough as well. The real question is, what are you going to do with it? Amen. A bishop a day keeps the devil away. You're listening to Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Okay, announcements, announcements. Everybody's favorite part of the service, the announcements. Uh, okay. Announcements. Prayer requests. We have an email address for you. Pray at DallasULC.com. Pray at DallasULC.com. Have any prayer requests whatsoever, please feel free to email us at pray at DallasULC.com. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Uh, pretty self-explanatory here. We're going to give you another email address. It's feedback at DallasULC.com. Feedback at DallasULC.com. You know, you can make a difference. We're always needing volunteers here at the church. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer, please go to our website, DallasULC.com. You can sign up there, or you can just see me at any time. I'm sure I can find something for you to do. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. A bishop a day keeps the devil away. Forget what you think you know about church. Okay. Did you know we had a podcast? Yeah, that's right. We have a podcast. Uh, you can find our podcast by simply going to uh, your favorite browser and typing in a search for Your Path with Bishop Mark. Your Path with Bishop Mark. Check it out. Uh, it's a little different listening to the podcast than it is watching it on TV or YouTube or even being here in person. It's just you catch it differently. I can't describe it any other way than that. Now, if you don't find us there on you, you, uh, with your search with Your Path with Bishop Mark, which I'm almost certain you will, you can always uh, check us out on these providers. Tune in. Google. I'm sorry. Tune in. Google Podcasts. CastBox. Pocket Casts. Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Podbean. Radio Public. Anchor. Breaker. Overcast. Or Stitcher. All righty. Another way you can make a difference with us is, is you can make a donation. We, uh, none of us here take a salary. We're all volunteer. And if you like what you're hearing, you like what you're seeing, you like what the message is here, please consider a donation to our church. We really could use it. Uh, there are several different ways to do so. Uh, anchor.fm slash bishopmark slash support. Anchor.fm slash bishopmark dash support. Anchor is who hosts our podcast, and that's one way of donating to us. You can always go to dallasulc.com. All of the options are there. Uh, and of course, if you do uh, uh, any shopping on Amazon, make sure you go to smile.amazon.com and choose us as your charity, and Amazon will donate uh, half a cent for every dollar you spend. And that does add up, believe me, folks. We could really use your help. 
Okay. Um, yesterday we saw, we uh, participated in the 2019 Walk to End Alzheimer's. And as it says right there, thank you. I'd like to thank all of you who participated. Uh, this is our fifth year in a row to do so. As, as many of you know, my grandmother is in end-stage Alzheimer's, uh, which is one of the reasons we do uh, choose to do this every year, trying to find this cure. And God, I hope it's, it's out there soon, because this is a tough disease to to have to endure as a family member. I can only imagine what it's like to actually have it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're doing what we can, and I appreciate all of you who participated this year. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it was truly an honor to be out there, and, and it was a beautiful day. And uh, uh, thank you again. It was, uh, uh, it's much appreciated. And that's going to do it, folks, for our announcements.